Empowering us now by your spirit, we pray. Amen. It's lovely to be with you here this morning. Um, and the first thing I want to say is that some of you remember I came about two years ago. And then I spoke from Ephesians, the first chapter of Ephesians. And one of the verses that I focused on was this. We always give thanks to God for you, mention you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So before we consider our theme this morning of generous God, generous giving, part of my testimony, partly reflecting in the diocese view as well, I want to say to you that there is thankfulness for you here at St. Giles. This morning when I presided at communion at nine o'clock, the chalice in front of me was actually stamped with a date, 1630-something, I think. And I had a moment where I thought of how long this church of St. Giles, in all different forms, has been serving this community, this nation, and whatever Nottingham was then, which wasn't very much, I wouldn't have thought at all. And as we worshipped, had that sense as well of this place peopled, by heaven and earth, by that which is invisible in the kingdom of God as well. So as I say thank you to you now, the people of St. Giles, the Christians called to serve in this moment, in this time, I think we also remember that we stand on many generations of those who have loved Christ, who have had a work of faith, a labor of love, and a steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So know that there is great thankfulness for the long history of St. Giles, but particularly you who are part of this chapter in this church, serving this community and actually enabling so much across Nottingham and especially in some of our poor areas. I was the rector of Clifton, as you know, uh, before uh, I became archdeacon. And I was always very conscious that for us to have two clergy in a community of 28,000, in a place where people were quite poor, that we did so because of the generosity, especially of the Bridgeford churches, and especially here of St. Giles. So before I say anything about money, and some people's hackles go up at different points or not, um, know that I come with a spirit of thankfulness uh, to thank you, and thank you for the work that God is doing in your midst, and for Lee's leadership as well as we do that. So how we're going to actually move through the next phase is there's going to be a video that, um, that Lee decided to show that was really great, which is a video that Bishop Paul um, has done on Parish Share and um, with a little bit at the end from um, Nigel Spraggins, the Chief Executive, setting in context the new Parish Share that we're going forward and some of the new focus within the diocese. Lee has then specifically asked me to speak about giving from my point of view of testimony of Sarah, not simply as Archdeacon, as Sarah. And to some extent, my story shapes um, how I act um, as Archdeacon around the whole issue of parish share and of giving in different ways as well. And I'll say a little at the end um, about the booklet that you were also given as you came in from there. Um, later on in the service, if anybody wants to ask a question, there will be, or comment, there will be the opportunity to do that around the notices. So if you're sitting there burning with something, um, hold on to it, and there'll be an opportunity for you to do that then. 
So first, let us start. Um, this is the Dawson video by Bishop Paul on Parashah. It is such a privilege to serve in this diocese. And as bishop, I get to see firsthand the many wonderful ways God is blessing us. He is growing his church every day as people are drawn to the person of Christ, who of course is the only reason each one of our 300 plus churches exist. We believe that God's plan is that every church is growing disciples who themselves are the primary source of God's blessing in every community as we're called to announce a message of hope and demonstrate God's amazing love. That's why we have a bold vision for growth over the next 10 years. And we can be confident, not because of our plans, but because of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and across our nation and all around the world. Talk about parish share and financial giving is enough to make some people glaze over, while others can get quite worked up. It can trigger all kinds of anxiety and concerns inside us, often touching other areas of our lives where money is a sensitive subject and even a painful subject too. Parashare is not usually a source of deep <coughs> joy for most churches, but I really believe it can be when we see the difference that it makes in people's lives through the ministry <coughs> of his church in every part of the diocese. We give because of Jesus, believing that there is nothing better anyone can do with their life than become a follower of Jesus Christ. In the Bible, Jesus had a lot to say about money, and most of it is hugely positive, not least because it is often the best spiritual gauge for how we're growing as followers of Christ. So when it comes to parish share, it should never be about what are we being asked to pay to keep the diocese going, but what can we give to help every church to go on flourishing, sharing the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. As a family of churches, parish share is vital to how we sustain and grow the ministry of our churches all across the diocese. Now, practically speaking, we need to meet the costs of that ministry, especially in terms of ordained and lay leadership. And just like any family, we bring our resources together so that those able to contribute more have the joy of being able to do so to help those who have less. So as we increase our giving through parish share, we believe it will help to relate it more directly to the actual cost of ministry. There are three parts to this, and now Nigel, our diocesan chief executive, is going to explain more. The three elements are direct ministry costs, future ministry costs, and ministry support costs. Direct ministry cost is made up of the stipend, national insurance and pension contributions for each incumbent status minister, along with providing their housing and ongoing training. Future ministry cost includes the selection and training of future clergy, both before ordination and in their time as a curate. Finally, 
there's ministry support cost, which sustains the work of parishes and the wider role of the diocese, either that required by law or determined by the diocesan synod. This includes our engagement with church schools and the important work of safeguarding. More information can be found in the booklet Ministry Costs, which is available hard copy or can be downloaded from the link at the end of the video. This booklet will be updated annually. Our giving is so important to the mission of the church as we seek to bring many more people to know the love of Jesus, growing disciples, reaching wider, younger and deeper. And let's be clear, we simply cannot sustain our numbers of stipendiary clergy beyond 2020 unless every church is seeking to meet its parish share now and where God blesses to go beyond so that we excel in this gift of giving. If you want to explore this gift more closely, then at the end of this message, there's a link to another video that I hope will be an inspiration to you. As we see new growth across the diocese, and as we seek to extend the ministry of every church, now is the time to step it up and to step out, not to step back. For the sake of our world, with all the many complex needs and wider tensions, the Church of God is the only hope. I know that many of you already give so generously and work tirelessly for God's kingdom. Thank you so much for that. Your giving already supports so much of the work that takes place and crucially enables us to employ the servant leaders that we need to take us forward. I pray that God will sustain you and bless you in everything you do for him as we continue to live and work to his praise and glory. sure that Lee can make available that link that came at the end, um, which I think you'll be referring to anyway, which is um, uh, one of the sessions that uh, Lee will be preaching on as well from within there. So give us a backcloth against which um, I shall be talking in many different ways. Um, you probably located me as a support cost um, for the archdeacons, and there was a little cameo of your vicar sort of there as well, but, uh, so I'm a support cost um, as you go through and to see it. What I'm going to do now is, is really do um, tell a bit of my story and, and how giving comes into this. And it's quite important because I think how we handle money as people of faith is shaped by our story. Our story of our lives, which is often hidden from people, our upbringing, our background, the things which went on for us as well within it, um, how we came to faith, how we were discipled, our experiences of God as well. And really, the only person who ever knows that complexity um, is the Spirit of God. Uh, I'm experiencing this in my family at the moment, where my, my stepfather and my mother um, aren't particularly well these days. They've had to give up the car. Um, they live in quite an obscure place in South Wales, where there's a bus once in a blue moon. And um, when they take the bus, they, they're struggling. And as a family, we keep saying, take a taxi, take a taxi, you know, make your lives earlier. And I have to say that we cannot get them to do it. 
everything in them, that valley's upbringing, which sees it as an outrageous, they would rather suffer, which they're doing, than take a taxi. And um, I won't even bore you with the conversations we've had. I'm sure some of you have had conversations like it in your family. But actually, the upbringing of Valley's people to take a taxi is just awful. And so literally, my mother will struggle on the bus and struggle to get her shopping and struggle back, but they could, and they have the money to take a taxi. And uh, we just come home going, really don't know what to do. But it's shaped, shaped by the whole upbringing, shaped by the fear many, shaped by so many things. Our story shapes how we behave um, towards the resources we have, and especially towards money, which we have quite an unusual relationship with in many ways, really. When this um, booklet came up, and there were the evenings on ministry costs, I was asked at the end of the evening to do four minutes, um, simply about Sarah, about what, what giving meant to me as Sarah, not as Archdeacon. And I found myself, as the evening gathered, and even before I got there, becoming, um, feeling quite emotional. You know, when when you can feel it rising up inside of you, um, as we worshipped, as I listened. Um, And I have to say that as Archdeacon, I wasn't very keen on seeming very uh, emotional as I spoke. Um, But actually, I couldn't help it. Because as I came to speak... I was almost overwhelmed by my sense of thankfulness for all that God had done for me, for all that God had given for me. As I stood there um, as Archdeacon, I could see something of my life, a whole journey of faith, and I simply felt utterly thankful, and it took me by surprise. just took me by surprise. It was like reconnecting with something that's always there, but gets laid over because of the complexity of life and and roles in many ways as well. And I have this sense of thankfulness of, yes, of the love of Jesus Christ for me, but also a real sense of having been saved from the life I might have lived without Christ. Saved from the life I might have lived without Christ when I remember who I was when Christ found me in that way. And the core of my story comes from Ephesians that Ephesians reading that we have. Uh, but now in Christ, you far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. The Apostle Paul is dealing with the Gentiles and the Jews in that reading, talking about those people who are far away from the saving grace of God being brought near in Jesus Christ to the heart of the Father. But also the Jews who are close to the heart of the Father also being brought really near, standing as one humanity, within the grace of God, within there. A new humanity, a new son and daughter, saved by the love of Jesus from there. The picture that goes with it is the picture of the father running to the son who has been far off, the prodigal, who went to a land far away and then comes to his senses and makes his way home. And the father runs to meet him and draws him near, draws him home and celebrates. And that was my story. I was somebody who felt far off, someone who felt on the edge, someone who felt a bit needy, even though you wouldn't have known that within the way my life was going as well, someone who felt a bit lost on the edge. And the story of my life is really finding my home, being brought home by the Lord Jesus, finding my true belonging in Jesus Christ, finding myself loved with a love that does not let me go, even when I doubt it. 
and even when I need to remember it as well. And that night when we talked about ministry, that's what was welling up within me, really unexpectedly, the sense of thankfulness of the gift of home and love and life that Christ has given me. And it is that, it is that which motivates me as Archdeacon. It's that which you heard in Bishop Paul on the video, the belief that there is nothing better that anyone can do with their life than know Jesus Christ, be known. That the love of God compels us to do that as well. And fundamentally believing that actually you do not truly know who you are or how treasured you are until you see yourself in the eyes of Christ and know that depth of love. And that that is for everyone, for everyone, regardless And that image of those who are far off and those who are near, the Gentiles and the Jews, the breaking down of all the walls that stop them coming to worship the living God is a picture of how in Christ all those barriers between us and people who don't yet know him have been broken down and that we have been entrusted with that story of faith, our story, our experience of who Christ is, to share that with him as well. So the vision of 7,000 new disciples, wider, younger, deeper, is a vision of individuals who come to know their home in God and through that are able to be part of God's transforming love for their communities, for their places of work, for their families, for their schools, for where they are set as salt and light as well within it. And the resources that we bring to our discipleship, our money, who we are, are servants of that purpose. They are never ends in themselves. They are entrusted to us. All things come from you, of your own do we give you. So the first thing that underpins everything, I believe, about money, about parish share, about the resources that we are given, is that we have always been given more. It's always based on the generosity of God to me. But actually, sometimes we have to reconnect with our story of what God has done for us. And that happened to me that night. Ministry matters. I can't imagine it happens to archdeacons very often as they go to do parish share. But that's what took place. And I've been pondering that um, ever since that evening. So the first thing, testimony, linking to Bishop Paul's video about what lies behind parish share, but lies behind giving lies behind is our response to the generous God who saved us and gave his son for us and actually gave us purpose and life and belonging and family and sonship and daughtership and it takes a lifetime to plumb the depth of that grace. But the second thing I want to say is about discipleship. Again, you heard Bishop Paul talking about discipleship, about our journey of discipleship as we follow Jesus always being shaped and I believe that we make that journey every day of our lives all of our lives there's never a part where we stop learning as disciples in the diocese there is more and more attention being paid on discipleship for lay and ordained within within our diocese and I think one of the really strong things about Bishop Paul is that he is first a disciple of Jesus Christ before he is the bishop And so that's an integrity which you will hear in him. He is a disciple first, and his role is the bishop. And as archdeacon, I need to be a disciple first, and then archdeacon. Whatever your roles are, 
disciple first and then that role, the follower of Jesus. But my attitude to money, my attitude to how I steward my resources, was shaped by how I was discipled as a young Christian. Came to faith at 18, though of course it's always more complicated than that. Took a good five years for me to really be taken hold of by God's spirit. But I came to faith through my sister Lorna, who came to faith through friends from Sutton Coldfield Baptist Church, who were fundamentally kind and hospitable to her when she moved from Wales to England to college. And so we're from the valleys in South Wales, ex-mining, ex-chapel, and no time to tell you the story except to say that there was no hint when I was a child that a moment like this would come where I would be this respectable archdeacon. And when I was first ordained, there was just shock among some of the people who knew me as the wild child of the valleys. But that's part of the journey that Jesus does with us. And after university, um, I went to live in Birmingham as well. And I went to Sutton Coldfield Baptist Church. And they discipled me. And I was baptized as an adult at 22. And in my preparation for baptism, I was taught to tithe. When they talked about money, they talked about tithing 10%. Um, and there wasn't any hedging about. There was no apology. There was no sense that this was something, a big thing to ask. It was just assumed in the teaching that you would tithe. 10%. And so 10% after, give, after tax was the way they did it. And I have done that more or less. There's been periods where I haven't more or less all of my life since I've been a Christian. Now, clearly, I've also learned that to tithe 10%, if you have very little disposable income, is really, really sacrificially. And, and actually, some people, it's not possible. If you have a lot of disposable income where you can make choices, tithing sometimes is too little because actually you've got a lot more to actually think about. And so when I say tithing, there is, a, there is a complexity within it. But that was how I was taught as a disciple to tithe. In the Church of England, we know that if all our disciples in our churches gave only 5%, we would not need to talk about money very much at all because we would have more than enough for everything we want to do. Um, but actually, that's really quite difficult, this huge array of different ways that people give across the diocese as well. I was taught to tithe, and it was simply seen as obedience. Um, and to be quite honest, um, as a Baptist, I didn't realize there was a different way to think about it until I became an Anglican. So obedience, tithing. But the second thing about my discipleship is that um, I have also experienced what it is to be on the receiving end of other people's generosity, when other Christians use their resources, their money, to enable in my life God's call upon that life. So when I was 30, I went to St. John's. I was an independent student. I was still a Baptist. I was doing an MA in theology, which I believe God was calling me to do so. And I gave up my house, my job, my security to follow that call, really. And I couldn't have done it if it hadn't been for a number of people in my church and also the leadership of the church who supported me financially all the way through my time at St. John's. Um, I could pay my fees. I could not pay my living costs. They paid them for me. And they gave me enough money that I could make choices and do things in my life as well. So they supported me all the way through that. And it is a really humbling experience. And it is something that I realize now is quite precious because I have known what it is to have a very good job a very good job and be paid very well and be able to give. 
but I've also known what it is to have no income and actually have others give to me. And that's incredibly shaping of what it does for you um, from within. It's quite humbling. And I remember when I finished St. John's, of course, I had no savings. That's the other thing. You lose your savings as well. And in my first incumbency, my real problem was how I got a car, how I re re you know, had a second next car, because my car was falling apart. And it's really hard to save against that as well, and I tried not to go into debt. And I came home one day, and there was a check sitting on my mat, um, which gave me thousands, it was, gave me enough money to buy a car. And that's never happened since, but it happened at the moment when I really needed it. And so I've experienced the fact that God does keep his promises. And within my needs, not my wants, my needs, God provided as well within there. I've always had enough, not just in terms of finances, but also in so many other ways within my life as well. So that's shaped my discipleship, shaped what I believe about parish share. Uh, I believe it is there for us to be able to share what we have, especially in places where it's harder for people to draw those resources together to be able to fund ministry in that place. But my story in discipleship hasn't finished. So something happened to me this year that brought me up short on money. Um, so in March, Bishop Paul taught on discipleship and giving. And he had a pyramid, pyramid of giving, and talked about why we give. And Lee's going to touch on that. But there was five blocks. It was a pyramid, one, two, three. And tithing, obedience, was in the middle. It wasn't at the top. It was in the middle. And the next one was sacrificial giving. And the next one on top of that was love. It was love. So that, that knowledge that when we know that we are utterly loved by God and fully experience that and totally free... Um, and we are able to love back freely with our resources because we know we can trust God. And that evening, I think I'd gone probably a bit smug thinking, I, you know, I tithe, I'm all right. And I sat there and I left really shaken, really shaken because I realized I'd been tithing for 30 years and I just got used to it, complacent with it, wasn't thinking about my giving properly, wasn't thinking about what sacrificial giving might be for me, wasn't thinking what it was that God was calling me further into to love as well within it. And that conversation for me and God isn't finished yet. But I knew when I came away from that that it isn't about keeping the rules, tithing out of obedience. It is about the freedom of my heart to respond to God freely in whatever he's asking of me because I trust him, because I trust him. And that when I think about the future, when I think about the things which are coming, I can trust him to provide for my needs, not my wants, parts within there. So this that whole thing of discipleship, you have to keep on growing, even within our financial things as well from within it. So the generosity of God to me, gift to me, discipleship. And I do believe that as we go through in this diocese, focusing on discipleship, going closer and closer with that, I think we will discover that, that, if you like, resources are unlocked and put at the disposal, um, both of the church as individual churches, but also um, within the diocese as well, as we seek to grow new disciples, seek to have new churches as well within it. But the third thing I'd want to say is about being an Anglican. 
I'm sure there are many of you sitting out there today who did not begin here as Anglicans, come from different traditions as I have as well from within there. And I've been shaped by chapel in South Wales and, um, and through the Baptist church. My sister and brother-in-law are now Baptist ministers as well. The rest of my family don't go to church, so you can come and join me in that conversation with them from there. They're very supportive now as well. When I was called into the Anglican Church, it was really clear, and it happened at St. John's Church as well, at St. John's College. It came through the sacraments in many different ways. Um, so I know why I'm an Anglican. And I was confirmed at Southern Minster when I was 31 before I was selected to train to be an ordained minister. So I knew my future lay with the Church of England, for better, for worse. And I can't tell you how unusual that was, because I'd never stepped foot in an Anglican church in my life. So it was very, very unusual. But, and also, I had friends who weren't very certain that many Anglicans were Christians. But fundamentally, fundamentally, there was that sense of call. And there were a few things within that call that really mattered to me, really. The one was the importance of preaching the word, but also having the sacrament in the bread and the wine and baptism. So for people who can't receive the word, that they can receive through the bread and the wine and baptism, that experience of the living God as well. Word and sacrament are absolutely key, and they're the gift of us as the Church of England, the Reform Protestant Church of England that we are able to do for people within the place. But also what really captured me was a vision and care for people beyond our doors, for a presence in every community, which is the Church of England's heart, a presence in every community. Grown up in the valleys where nearly every church had shut and every denomination had left, the sense of how do you keep a presence in every community, especially in poor communities where resources are small to enable them to call ministers, which is what happens in non-denominational areas as well. And that sense of call to make sure that there is a presence in every community of a community to share the love of Christ. And the church's commitment to that and commitment financially to make that happen was absolutely key to me. It was part of the vision of who we are as Anglicans, which is, I think, the most challenging, most beautiful, most generous, and one of the greatest witnesses we have, that from the much that some have, those who have little are able to receive it so that there can be a presence in every community and there can be resourcing in each community. And parish share is part of what holds that up as well within it. It's a sign of the gospel dream. My dream, really. My dream is really to see the outer estates, the urban-deprived areas, places, some of the rural places at the moment as well, as well as the suburban rings, full of life, as we are full of life today, and serving their community, whether it's 50, 25, 100, we're actually resourced so that they can be God's people in that place, so that everyone in England can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we know that probably 95% of England do not darken a church door, as many do not from there. And that's part of what the archbishops are calling us to do, isn't it? They're calling us to nothing less than the revitalization of England. So behind my teaching, my belief on 
on giving, on the generous God and generously giving on parish share is my experience of God's generosity to me, is the discipling that I have received, and actually it's my identity as an Anglican and the commitment to the family, the Anglican family, and especially to some of the areas which are struggling to hold together um, ministry in those places. But I also believe that there is blessing to come out of places which are very poor and in some places struggling. That there is blessing to come out of there to bless also the suburban ring or places where faith is more confidence. So those are the three things that have really shaped me. And I just want to say one thing on the ministry costs that we heard of. When you look over that booklet, you will see there are three things in this. There's ministry costs, the direct costs, what it costs to have your vicar, which is 48,000. And then there is, there is full ministry costs, which is 72,000. You are already paying more parish share over here. You know, was it about 115, somewhere around there at the moment in time. We call that partnership costs. Partnership giving, really gift which enables ministry in places like St. Anne's, where they couldn't afford a full-time priest, but actually the deanery gathered together and put some money in. Clifton, places like that, that your extra money that you give in parish share enables ministry in other places. And our commitment is that ministry is about growth, not about propping up decline, but about growth and transformation. And that's not in the booklet, but that's a key part of what parish share is doing as well within it. And so is that sense of, of out of the... Actually, it's, some of you will know it. It's from 2 Corinthians. So it says this. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressures on you, but it is a question of fair balance between your presence, abundance, and their needs. And a bit before that, he says this. I'll find it in a minute. Yes. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So we're not asking for what you don't have. Asking out of the abundance that has already been given. And that's part of what the parish system is about. And we have a real hope and desire for St. Giles. Um, we're longing for St. Giles to be one of the new resourcing churches that reaches even far beyond money, that becomes part of that, that movement in the diocese, that plants new churches, that creates new communities of faith, that revitalizes places where the fire of faith has gone a bit low as well within it, that becomes one of the engines of transformation within our diocese. And we can ask that because of where you already are, because of the generosity you've already shown, because of the discipleship you've already shown, and because that you've already given out of your abundance. There is a spirit here of generosity, and we long to see that grow even further, so that that joy that Bishop Paul spoke about, the joy of giving, may be your joy, and that you may bless others as Christ has blessed you. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, shake up the words I have spoken. Pray that each year we'll remember simply that, 
which you desire them to remember. And you will enable them to ponder on it and hear what your spirit is saying. Amen.